Yes, hello, I am James Rowland, and today it's the WNR 406. It's AW Prelude, but I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by up first. It's Jaxie. How are you doing? Yes, yes. Hello, everyone. Hello, James. I'm glad to be here talking everything AEW again with you. And everybody listening, cheering, going, we've got the happy Jaxie. Hey, <laughs> this is hey. the... <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah, and um, because it's AEW, we also got Gina joining us as well. How's it going? Hello, thank you for having me again. I'm getting really excited about how many times you want me on the show. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I saw a, a, on Twitter the other day, and someone was saying, "Like, a, what a nice voice you had," which. Is nice and also a little creepy, guys. So let's back off a little bit, but still, it's it's lovely. And wait, going... that my question has we're both twins. We're both twins. So, so what's her voice? How is her voice different to mine? Why Again, did mine? I did not mean to say that. Mine has less hair. People already started to stop. <laughs> Every time. Well, thank you for that comment, whoever made that. Well, no, I saw your tweet. You go, you know, well, I'm not a regular. I was just on this show and the one last week. And well, actually, oh, I'm on yeah. next week as well. So oh, yes. Like... Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think you're more I kind of special. like a regular now. Like, it's just, it's, you know, it's you, you're getting, you know, we're, we're used to you. Yeah. You are part of the team. And, of course, the predictions as well that like we've got that everybody's uh, really excited about. And weirdly enough, I've got no emails about people wanting me to win. But hey, again, it's not about me. I don't care, you know, who, who who wins and loses at the end of the day. But today, we're going to catch up with Dynamite and Rampage. And I cannot wait. So let's get to it. Straight into it. Dynamite, January 12th. We get a promo to start between the Undisputed Era and the Young Bucks. Uh, best friends arrived in Baker and Cole for the first time. And AEW will fight together. They sealed it with a kiss. It was a very... WWE way to start, but we are going to see, of course, Baker and Adam Cole teaming up. And then we get CM Punk versus Wardlow. Uh, and just when Wardlow delivered five power bombs that looked to secure the win, popped to the apron and demanded his muscle continue the punishment. We've got two more power bombs, leaving the best in the world on a heap in the apron. Uh, doing his job, as MGF put it, Wardlow then powerbomb Punk through a timekeeper's table. A punk manually evaded the 10 count. And again, distracted by Jeff Wardlow, fell victim to the inside cradle as Punk scored the win. And after the match, Wardlow T-split with Jeff, who braided him after the bell, but cool heads prevailed for now. So, Gina, what did you think of Wardlow versus Punk? Because I was really surprised how one-sided. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not surprising in terms of having seen Wardlow's current matches that he's had so far. It's been, he's been pretty dominant. So I would have been shocked to see him not as dominant in this match. But it was it was still quite shocking because you don't expect that. You think, you know, CM Punk, he's going to smash it. He'll probably be the only one who can meet Wardlow on, on par. And yeah, that happened. You're like, OK, <laughs> they are really building this guy. I'm, but I'm all for it. I thought it was a great match. And MJS, just a twat as usual. And it, it's so fun to just see that story coming to fruition, you know, uh, just seeing the breakdown of the friendship and the partnership between Wardlow and MJF. And even though it may have been slow building, this is what why it's worth it. Because when you get to the end part, like where we are now, it, it's made it all worth it because of the storytelling. 
Yeah, I think we've had that, and I think it's something AEW does really, really well. Uh, Wardlow's biggest match, and he didn't shit the bed. He actually, you know, like I said, it kind of build on his star. But, you know, Jax, it's interesting, because we talk about Punk and MJF. This story's going for a long time. But the mm. Wardlow-MJF story, for me, I think it's more interesting. Is there a case that it might take the shine off the Punk-MJF feud? Um, no, do you know what? I actually think this is kind of all part of Punk's plan. Like, Punk came into this uh sort of uh new company uh on and and told everyone right from the get-go on the mic uh he wants to fight new people he wants to kind of put over new people and it's not just mjf that is the future of aew it's also woodlow and i think that kind of merging the storyline uh of what is happening between woodlow and mjf um, along and incorporating punk into it is actually just solidifying both of them, both of these two newer wrestlers, and solidifying kind of their status within the company. You've got, you know, th- this continuous ongoing feud at the moment with Punk and MJF, um, and you've got that uh, edge, that slight edge of, you know, the storyline with Wardlow coming into play, like kind of not wanting to follow and abide to what MJF is wanting to say, and I think that incorporating punk into it is actually just kind of not only helping sort of that status that both of them probably could could do with but also just actually showing at how well punk is able to put over other wrestlers i mean his match with wardlow was great it just made wardlow look and come across like a beast he was very dominant and this is exactly what we want to see from someone like wardlow from from a, a big guy like wardlow you know um he's so far done a lot to be known as MJF's side piece um, so right now it's the early stages still um, but you can still see that storyline coming in and just like you said I think uh, this whole storyline between Wardlow and MJF is so enticing you want to find out what's happening and so it's just leaving you wanting more and more each week well this is a bit, and that's what's great storytelling is it's having you know the one story and it's like an onion different layers you know you've still yeah. got this is offshoot from that, and that's why it works really, really well. Like you said, most people, you know, probably seen Wardlow for the first time against CM Punk. Gone. Who, who the fuck is this? He looks like a monster, and he killed him. It's like you know, exactly. it is great stuff from AEW. And then Dante Martin beat Hobbs thanks to Jay Lethal, which was the same match back to back to the one we saw with Punk and Wardlow, really. And then AEW World Champion Hangman Adam Page hit the ring and said he's looking for a new challenger. Dan Lambert appeared. Luckily, he didn't want the match, though. It was Lance Archer who returned, stalked to the ring, uh, teasing a beat down Lambert, only to turn on Page, did the blackout driving Hangman into a chair to close things out. Uh, Gina, what about this for an AEW world title feud? I mean, for me, I think Page will obviously win, but it will keep him busy to the pay-per-view. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a big fan of Lance Archer. You can even ask my sister when we first started to watch AEW and Lance Archer came into it with Jake the Snake. I was such a Jake the Snake fan um, back in his WWE days. So as soon as I saw him come in, I was already drawn to Lance. But I'll admit, I did miss seeing him when he was off for a bit. So yeah, him returning, I was really excited. I am excited to see the match between him and Adam Page because I think it's going to be brilliant. But um I don't I, I, I don't think it's gonna go anywhere with Lance. I don't think Lance will win it. 
unfortunately. I think his time has to come a different time, not right now, but I still really look forward to the match. Well, yeah, I, you know what, just going off of that as well, I just want to quickly say that with, when it comes to Lance Archer, I was super excited to see him return. Um, I don't even mind that he's kind of already gone heel. However, I, I'm, I'm confused as to why Dan Lambert is kind of associated himself with Lance Archer and Jake the Snake. That you're not needed, Dan. Why are you there? Jake the Snake has plenty of mic talk. He don't need you. So that is my biggest question coming out of this. Well, I think about that, but I don't know too much about Jake's health or anything at the moment. I mean, like I said, he's been through a lot in his life. And I mm. think Dan Lambert is a guy that can go, he's definitely a heel, so we know that. And, you know, through association, yeah. so to speak. But like I said, what I'm worried about is what happens afterwards. You know, it looks great to see Archer. After lands on his head like he did, to make a full recovery yeah. and come back, fantastic. But just worry, you know, if whatever happens in the title match, is he going to be on dark or elevation in a couple of weeks' time rather than dynamite again? And it's... Yeah. His moment hopefully will come. Uh, then we see Serena <laughs> Deeb attacking Erika Rashida from behind, wiping out a left knee from underneath her. A vicious assault on the limb continued in the ring where she pummeled it. And eventually the referee called for the bell. And after the match, Deeb further attacked Sheeda with a candy stick. So the referee's in trying to get the ring to chase her off. Do you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing a best of seven series between the two because they've got so much hatred, you know? Mm. You can really feel the, the tension building between each of them week in and week out. And, you know, at the, at the start of this feud, especially for me, I was like, oh, uh, this is going to be a great match, but Sheeda's going to smash it. And then that'll be end uh, end of Serena D for a bit, you know that sort of thing. Sheeta will move on. I really enjoy this ongoing feud, and like you, like you rightly said, James, this ongoing continuous building of hatred between both of these women. And I've got to admit, um, I wasn't entirely sold on Serena Deep as a wrestler. And since these matches have begun, and even you know just ha- uh, Serena Deep's talk with Jr. and everything. Uh, I'm starting to actually uh, respect Serena in terms of her wrestling ability. Um, I didn't know much about her uh, from the indie point of view in the first place. So I'm really getting like my first sort of real big, clearer picture of her uh, since joining AEW. And I I honestly thought that this was going to be a one and done match. And the, the continuous build on this feud is something I'm really enjoying. And I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm so itching for Sheeta to get that win over Serena Deeb, but I'm also not mad at the fact that they've not, you know, outright given us that straight away and ended this feud. I enjoy it, and like you said, I would happily take a series of seven. That's what I say. We just need more, more time for this. You know, match a week. I'm happy about. Yeah. It. <laughs> uh, we don't see... even like it with the. You know how they did that with WWE? They did it with Sheamus and and Cesaro. Yeah. They had like a, a best of seven before they ended up pairing them together. Um, I thought that was really good as well. So I think if they could do it for the men, definitely if they're going to do it for the women, Steve and, and Sheeta are going to be probably uh, some of the greatest feuds that we might actually continuously see built. Yeah, we've heard that. And actually, but she does, she does um, injured, isn't she now? This is all part, she, part of the storyline, though. So I don't know. No, but you saw good. her knee. So I'm, I'm like, how long is she out? Because that knee is super injured. Well, so say, but this is, adds intrigue and interest to it. And even if we see sure. during the injury, you know, Deep going around and injuring other wrestlers 
you know, to continue yeah. the machine to finally coming out and getting it, then that's what... Oh, get you know, her, see that. <laughs> this is that the thing that brings excitement. You know, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, there is something Definitely. about it. Uh, up next, we see Penta Dazzi, and after the match, he sent a message to Malachi Black, vowing to show him some respect. When Irina Darkland and the Black arrived, the Varsity Blondes hit the ring in search for revenge. A three-on-one beat in the shoes until Julia Hart urged her team to stop. The Irina Darkland again, and when the lights came back on, Brody King made his AEW debut. The big man destroyed everyone before standing alongside Black. Um, I mean, Gina, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, aren't you? You can't win <laughs> sometimes. If it's an ex-WWE star, people <laughs> to complain. If they go, well, we've never been in WWE, you just can't win. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't, I, I wasn't aware of who Brody King was. Um, Jaxi had to tell me who he was when he turned up because I had no idea who that was. So I didn't have that excitement pop. Well, I did in a way because I was like, "Who's this?" Uh, you know, someone knew. But um, it wasn't until Jaxi told me the the backstory and and their history together that then I kind of realized and I was more excited to just see this team up between them. Um, they're doing really well. I have to slip in. How much longer does Julia Hart need to wear that eye patch? <laughs> How much longer, okay? Because, girl, that was months ago. <laughs> in here. She needs to yeah. turn it into a pirate gimmick. Slowly, surely. Yeah. Every... Next time she, she just gets needs asked to come a question. Out with a bottle of rum. Bring a bottle of rum, girl, and just stagger your way to the ring halfway through the Varsity Bonds match, you know, and be like, sorry. Yeah, you wrestling next yeah, week. That would yar, be so funny. Yar, yar. <laughs> just each week. Just like, For sure. Uh, right. on the shoulder. Just like little things. Like, it'll work. Yeah. Um, so, I would you know, next thing you know, she'll like, come out with like a treasure chest. Like, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, forget Start about parents. in gold. <laughs> Forget about Patterets. We've got Bear Country uh, getting beaten by the acclaimed. That's a segue. And then Sammy Guevara beat Danny Garcia with Tupac fighting in a circle with Eddie Edwards and Jericho facing off. This was a riot, I suppose. And then Rampage, January 14th. Adam Cole beat Trent. Uh, they shoehorned the women's match in. Um, we see Hirsch and Statlander not getting on the main event. Alex Reynolds and Johnny Hungy come up short in the Dark Order's quest for gold against tag champs, Jurassic Express. Uh, but this was a quality match, though. But is the tag team title, I'm not saying relegated to Rampage, but it seems to be defended there quite a lot. Um, yeah, so I, I, I feel like when it comes to this, I'm not uh, with the, with the uh, tag titles. First of all, the match was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought both teams gave it their all. I really love Alex Reynolds and John Silver's team up. They've got so much good chemistry together. It just is always entertaining to watch them. I, I did notice that the tag titles haven't really been showcased on Dynamite that much. But I also don't know if that's just like a time issue thing. You know, like they don't have the time to be fitting every storyline to do with every title on just like the two hour show of Dynamite. So I'm wondering whether or not they're like kind of, you know, playing about with it a bit. But maybe Tony needs to realize, maybe flip it about, put, put the tag titles still on dynamite at times because otherwise we're gonna we're gonna miss that and we get a, a, a lot of decent tag team matches that aren't for the titles but you can still actually have some sort of program turn up on dynamite and i lately i've just been realizing that there's not been that many so 
I mean, yeah, like I said, it's not a bad thing as such, but he just is no. changing up every now and again rather than becoming, you know, like you said, yeah. when it's rampages. And, and also, rampage, what I quite like in a way, is like they go, fuck the entrances. Just get straight yeah. to it. It's like, yeah. we, we can cram in 15 minutes if exactly. I mean, I feel like that's, that's it's the same. It's the same with Hook, you know. We only get to see Hook really on Rampage, so I feel like, in a way, it's not—it's not necessarily, the, you know, a SmackDown versus Raw type of thing. But I feel like they've just kind of been like, right, so the tag titles, let's just leave those as Rampage defended, being defended on, and Hook will only put him on Rampage matches, yeah. things like that. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel Adam, like Adam Cole's got to have the opening match. Adam Cole in the opening. Yeah, we've got Hook, the tag yeah. belt. Yes, Rampage. Yes. yes. Send Hook to Wednesday night Dynamite, please. Send Hook. <laughs> well, speaking of Dynamite, Wednesday the 19th, for the first time since October 27th, John Moxley returned to Dynamite during a huge ovation for the fans in Washington. Um, he's basically was talking about what he went through. They are the scars that make us, uh, referencing his absence and the dark cloud. Uh, he said, I'm going to by the balls because now more than ever I'm free and the thing I love about Mox as well is the emotion that you see pouring out of him the only thing I drink now is blood this was wonderful <laughs> Gina I mean Moxley is just I mean I just want to be him <laughs> I can't explain it more than that oh for sure I mean Mox just he always brings that energy with him and you know, every time he has his entrance, everybody's just lit from the minute his music drops and everybody embodies what he is bringing to that ring. His his kind of welcome back speech for himself just gave me goosebumps. And it's just, again, admiration. There are so many different types of fans who watch this wrestling. And, you know, to see someone that you truly admire as a fellow wrestler of yours, to see that they've had these struggles and come back, it does also, you know, provide you hope as a fan, thinking if I've hit rock bottom, I can come back as well. So I, I definitely loved his return. Um, literally going to ignore that twat who decided to try and shout something out, and I loved the Mox's response to him. Yeah. But aside yep. from that, I'm just very happy. Good. I'm just excited to see Mox back in action more regular now. Yeah, well, like I said, Mox's first word was "go fuck yourself," and I hate comparing um you know oh but there is a real stone cold vibe from mox where you just it's the unpredictability when he comes out you just don't know what he's going to say what he's doing it's from the heart as well and and i'm sure jackson you were happy to see moxley back um you know and and looking really good yeah definitely um it was just really nice to actually kind of um as you said before james it was so nice to hear him you know explain like he's back he's gone through some stuff and now he's back with a vengeance um that line where he said like all he does now is drink blood i was just kind of raring to see him go i was like well bring down some victim who's the first victim bring him down now you know i was so excited to see him sort of just already get started hell just bring that idiot that was shouting shit into the ring let him paradigm shift him and then you ain't gonna say shit then are you at least we got to see it but um it was yeah it was just really really great it was really feel good um just to see him back and if you compare uh the way he looked coming to the ring compared to you know that of last year he just looked so healthy it was so nice to see really really glad to have you back Max. 
Uh, the thing about Moxley as well is kind of how he important he is to kind of even wrestling history now when there's not many yeah. wrestlers that still getting referenced and shown with Rollins and Reigns, you know, you have to put Ambrose in there as part of the shield and such a huge impact. And it's it's great to see him doing what he wants to do. And let's hope now he can have a run of just, you know, like I said, causing wreaking hell as it was. Yeah. Um, up next, and I was surprised this wasn't the main event, but then again, what was the main event was worthwhile. Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy. Uh, and this was a really competitive match, uh, obviously, between the two teams. The Hill set up the table. Cassidy inadvertently sent Baker through the table, igniting a rage inside Cole. And Cole's facials and visuals was... I have a go at Becky Lynch, but... Cole is spot on. You can see the anger in his eyes. Who hit a low blow and put his opponent away because uh, before, of course, checking on the good doctor. I thought this was a great match. Gina, what do you think? I really enjoyed it. I think that we got some good spots between both sides. We got to see Chris and Britt reignite their their previous history because we know that they've had previous history as well. Um, and we also got to just see Adam Cole shine and fight against Orange Cassidy. These two just have so much good chemistry off of each other. I would happily see those two continue a feud for the next couple of months as well. I, I definitely think that they they can bring more to the table, but they can also handle their matches alone. So it's, it's a complete different situation to maybe like Maurice and Miz, where I wouldn't really be invested in Maurice having you know a storyline with somebody else i am very invested in brit separately and i'm also invested in adam separately because they've both established who they are individually before they even came together as a couple to fight so for me that really works well um i i would have liked to see more of brit and chris but i think that can happen more in a, in another singles match rather than in in that tag match but it was a great match and i find it hilarious that Britt went through the table when her and adam had been the ones to set it up yeah. it was just kind of like the cherry on the cake you know it, it all worked so well uh, and like you said the other thing as well is is some i don't know what they put in the water radar but again adam cole and orange cassidy look like they really don't like each other and and this is something that we've seen from cassidy recently and then with adam cole now and like i said i hope they don't Cole and Baker are brilliant. You can go back to that at any point, but just don't make it like a consistent thing because they're so good, like you said, uh, by themselves. But really good stuff. And then I was looking forward to seeing Punk versus Sean Spears, but Punk beat him in a perfect 10. (laughs) (laughs) That was was so funny. (laughs) Which is, you know, a little bit disappointing, but I think that's Sean Spears summed up in AEW, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You've totally got that right. I mean, he—you've got to admit, Sean Spears is is so much talk. He's just so much talk, and yet he never delivers. And I think this has actually got to be his new gimmick because I actually found it so incredibly entertaining at how much he was gearing himself up in the ring. He's like, you know, pointing out to MJF, like, "Watch me go! Watch me, Dad! Ready? Are you are you ready to watch me?" And straight away, he just got screwed over that was just brilliant that's probably my favorite segment of sean spears is so far on AEW. i'm not gonna lie i mean sean spears is that is that school bully who chats so much shit but then when someone confronts him he just he's the first one to run away you know that's <laughs> sean spears for you <laughs> it's just it is entertaining you know and again 
always on the story of, of Punk and, and MGF as well, you know. Then we had a Cody promo, uh, which felt long. And, and can we just stop with the WWE references now? And then we get the House of Black destroying the Varsity Blondes. This was great stuff. Uh, Archer defeating Kazarian. Did anybody think Kazarian's still on the roster? I forgot about that. Like, what happened with the <laughs> Hunter gimmick? <laughs> he just kind of turns up really randomly, doesn't he? It kind of feels like Kazarian wakes up and goes, shit, I've got work today. <laughs> and then just goes on to work. It beats someone up. Maybe he can out. find beer on the way. <laughs> Kazarian, find beer. <laughs> Imagine if one day, like, Frankie Kazarian just comes up and then and, and comes out with a new tag team partner. It's like, oh, I just went across the seas to go and grab someone. His name's Beer. I don't know if you've heard of him. It's, it's exactly someone. Beer walking out like, shit, wrong show, shit, wrong show. <laughs> the pop V is going to get when he debuts is going to be massive. Oh, Not yeah. just on the WNR podcast, but even the people in the arena, I think. Yeah. Um, I agree there. <laughs> uh, well, Kazarian unfortunately lost, and then Archer uh, was going to tease uh, Blackout onto a steel chair, but Adam Page made a save. Welcome Archer's cowboy boot for trying for the buckshot lariat. Archer cut him off. Page fought out of a choke and sent it top contender over the top rope. Of course, retreated. Um, the one problem with Archer and Kaz during this, they got the dreaded no reaction uh, a little bit. But Lance did bring it back by shouting at a little girl, which is always enjoyable. I don't, only in <laughs> wrestling, I will say. Only, only, only in that arena. Um, again, and then we see Dave defeating uh, Blue. Uh, Andrade and Matt Hardy joining forces. This has got to be a, for a bigger payoff down the line, surely. I mean, I really hope so, because otherwise I don't understand why he's teaming up with Matt Hardy when, I'm really sorry to say, but right now the Hardy Family Foundation or whatever uh, are on a real losing streak, you know? So there has to be a bigger payoff, because otherwise I don't understand why Andrade has decided to, to team with them. And you can't really add any more letters, because otherwise it's going to get a bit ridiculous. You know what I mean? You end up the M-A-H-F-O or something like this. You can end up saying. So you've got to be careful. And in the main event for Dynamite was Sting and Darby Allen versus the Acclaimed. And the Acclaimed jumped Sting and Darby Allen, uh, wrapping a chair around um, Darby's head and sending him throat first into the ring post. Uh, the action spilled outside. Allen flew into the picture, wiping out the hills. He reintroduced himself. Back inside, the Acclaimed delivered a mic drop to Allen, but Sting broke up, pin up. He dumped the hills to the outside and then casually jumped off the stage and drove case to through the time, keep it stable. I mean, every time we seem to talk about AEW, Sting is just doing something <laughs> fucking mental. I don't know if he's turned into, like, new gang, <laughs> but, like, he's just... How can a man his age keep doing stuff like this? Listen, that, that whole main event, when he actually got up on that stage and jumped through that table, my hands were on my head. I was actually just like trying to figure out whether or not this is a really great dream I'm having or if this is legit because the, the man is like 62 years old and he had no problem whatsoever getting up on that stage and jumping into a table, which he took the main brunt of, by the way. So, I, I mean, this man's a god. I love him. Uh, no one has ever done, I, I, it, apart from Shawn Michaels' second run, I can't think of another wrestler who's kind of rejuvenated themselves and 
brought it because you know we thought he was a kind of I thought he was a broken down old man who injured in matches and you know couldn't do it and and because of the way they're booking him as well and with Darby Allen it, it's just perfect and you know the coffin drop to get the win but it's like Darby is so lucky Sting is his dad I, I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really is I mean I, I can't deny that I'm not jealous because I am extremely jealous that uh you know of, of all the sort of um uh I don't even know what I would call them protégés to 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 be pick, get picked and Darby Allen got picked. I mean, I'd still be running through the arena being like, "Sting pick me, Sting pick me," you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But I want. I, I mean, I also to want dad. to. I also want to shout out the acclaimed because I I I like the acclaimed. I think they're really yeah. great, and I think they helped to make Sting look amazing because it basically was like a two on one match for a majority of it until Darby came back out. And yeah. you know, I I do feel like the acclaimed did a lot to make help make it seem just look like a god out there. So yeah. yeah, I do hope that those two get their time to shine, you know, at the top at some point because I really do enjoy watching them like fight, and they're also very entertaining, and they both have great mic skills too. Yeah. They do. Yeah, I completely agree. They're really over because like even in defeat, they'll still be able to you know talk shit the next time around and still have the you know respect and the, the hate from the crowd so like i said they're two really talented individuals and this was really fun main of for me it felt very wwe dynamite it's a few quick matches focusing more on the story to get the point told which again is not a problem sometimes kind of changing up from what we expect and then rampage january 20th moxley back in action uh, beating Ethan Page. And Ethan is a solid hand, but he had no chance in this one. Then we had a face-off with Danielson after, so it looks like we're going to get that match. Um, Moxley back in action it can only be a good thing, like we said. Yeah, I mean, again, it was a great match. Um, I, I think Ethan Page right now is having some of the best matches um, of his career. And even though he's not coming across and winning at the same time, I've got to admit that I'm enjoying seeing his wrestling matches because of how well he's working with these different individuals. Um, it was so great to see Mox back in action. He didn't, he looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Um, he, you know, it, he, with the way that Mox wrestles, it, com- it, it just comes naturally to him. And so you just end up, uh, vibing alongside him, you know, getting in that sort of wrestling mood. And that is exactly kind of how I felt watching this match. I was like, I wanted to see more, you know? Um, so, yeah, just keep bringing on the John Moxley matches because uh, right now he can do no wrong. <laughs> I mean, uh, we see Trent beat Nick Jackson in a really good match. A uh, hook killing Serpentico. Uh, Cargill beating Anna Jay. Really strong finish. 25 now. And I'm a sucker for an undefeated streak. A bit much like Oscar where I never wanted it to end. Uh, Cargill, 25-0. and 0. I love the graphic. There's so much potential to this story. And each and every... I go, it's just a star. It is just... Bring it on. Like, just give us more. That's all I want, you know? Definitely agree with that. Uh, Jade is really... really she's, she's really kind of um, jumped up there in terms of, like, you know, my top women in WWE. That's not saying that she wasn't up there before. But with each and every match, they're booking her so. This is this is exactly how you book a dominant female like wrestler, and they have just been right from the very get go of introducing her. They have just continuously um, 
showcased her strength, showcased what she can bring, and also just showcased how she's still continuously learning each week. And I appreciate that. Um, it's just great to see uh, her with gold around her right now. It's going to be even more satisfying when they build up um, a wrestler to eventually lose that streak. But I hope that they don't do a WWE and just just ruin it just like that. You know, um, Oscar should never have lost her streak at, at WrestleMania. If you haven't heard that from me before, then you clearly are a newbie to WNR podcast. So go back and check out some of our other stuff if you really want to hear my thoughts on the Oscar streak. Um, but that being said, yeah, please don't lose her streak anytime soon just yet. I'm, I'm ready for Jade to continuously keep dominating right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would see 100 and 0 not be sick of that. I think that's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it's a target. I the yeah, the matches aren't long either. So it's not like she's going to be overworked. <laughs> it's not. Exactly. You know. uh, and then we Can on. I also add? That Jade's abs are bloody amazing. She actually makes me want to get abs. She's got an amazing yep. body. I just had to throw that in there. Oh, yeah. Right, that, right you do washing on them. Uh, like we talk about, <laughs> like, we move on. Dynamite, January 26th, and it is beach. Is it beach break? I'm going to say beach break. I'm probably getting it wrong. Yeah. I always say beach it is last. Beach. Just because I'm an old man. It is beach break, isn't it? And we started off. With a ladder match for the TNT Championship, Cody Rose versus Sammy Guevara. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in this match, so I'll try and hit the highlights. And Guevara leapfrogged to the tippy top and delivered a cutter that brought Rose crashing to the mat. Now, of course, WrestleMania 17 with Edge uh, spearing Jeff Hardy, but this was one of the moments with a cutter off ladder. I was agog. My jaw was just open at that point. I thought it was as a. I really do love that you said. I love that you, you you already brought up the Edge and Jeff Hardy moment at WrestleMania because that is instantly what I thought of when when Sammy delivered that cutter in the air. It really looked like it. It was beautiful. I can't, that's not another word. That is, it was the the, yeah. the the contact on that as well. Picture perfect. Uh, both wrestlers it, spread across two ladders. Rose delivered a crossroads. Uh, leaving Sammy writhing in pain. Uh, we see a swanton a la Jeff Hardy, hello Jeff Hardy, off the ladder, nearly snapping Sammy. Both men fought atop the ladder for Carrera, blasted Rose, who won the belts, knocking to the mat. Carrera also scored the biggest win of his career. Like I said, no fucking around with his entrances. Um, I mean, the cutter and the crossroads were all shortened careers, but I mean, Gina, what did you think of this match? It was brilliant. I mean, they executed everything perfectly. Um, and again, I know that people have their, their issues with Cody, but he never ceases to deliver. And it's like you, you give him all this hate, but look at how excited the crowd was. They were so loud watching that match because it was so goddamn entertaining to watch. And it is one of those matches that you know people are going to go back and watch again. Because again, they as you both mentioned, they had that kind of Jeff Hardy edge moment. And if you haven't seen it, guys, you've really got to go and see it. It's so it's so perfectly executed. Um, and I, I kind of wish I was that flexible. <laughs> I probably would break my neck. So fair play to the two wrestlers involved. But, but it was it was a great match. I really enjoyed it. And I, I'd happily see another match between them later on in the future. I mean, they talk about... Can I ask, Can I ask uh, you this, James? Did, is it just me? Or did Cody deliver a pedigree off the middle rope? Was that a pedigree? 
As a, either pedigree or... Well, this is the thing, because it, it can be a Tiger driver as well. So I guess people... But I think it was, I would say, they'll call it a pedigree, basically. Uh, we all know he's been teasing doing it, you know? And I just yeah. can't help but feel like this was his way of being able to do it without actually doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of shots from Cody at the moment. Uh, to yeah. I'm not mad at it. I'm really not mad at it. Like, I, I, I love this whole heel Cody side that he's not a heel, that he's constantly teasing whether or not he's going to use the pedigree and stuff. I don't have an issue, just like my sister. I don't have an issue with Cody. I actually think he's doing a great job. Well, especially with matches like this, it was pay-per-view worthy, this was. My only issue was they were <laughs> trying to kill each other. That, that's the only thing I'm going, especially with Sammy, I go, you're still a young man and you're taking these yeah. moves. And it's it is going to take its toll, but then again, I've said that Darby Allen he continues. To do I was about to say, same could be said. Same could be said about Darby Allen. I think they both just have like death wish. Like they're they're just like they're both daredevils, aren't they? They both are just willing to put their bodies through whatever. And I still, even though I say about you know Cody, uh, like me enjoying sort of what he delivers on on AEW. That being said, I still think that the best man won and the right man won. I think that Sammy definitely needed to re-pick up his win from Cody because if I didn't actually think it was right that Cody won the belt so quickly from Sammy in the first place but I suppose they were kind of going about doing it this way especially with the pandemic involved they had to kind of maybe turn things around but yeah overall this match was very much a, a pay-per-view worthy match yeah it was incredible like I said and everybody's not seen it then stop listening to the podcast right away watch it and then come back we'll oh. wait we don't mind <laughs> Excellent. And then Wardlow defeated Alexander and Dean. We see Jericho, Satana, Ortiz defeating 2.0 and Garcia. And then CM Punk called MJF a fan and exclaimed that fans don't love him because he wins or hate him because he loses. They love him because he always gets back up. MJF looked to test that theory, joined his pinnacle teammates. Wardlow, FTR and Sean Spears for an attack on Punk. MJF ordered Wardlow to powerbomb on the chair. And after some meditation, a look on disgust on his face... He did it. Um, you're so up pro that the same place your journey began, the same place it ends. I'll see you in Chicago, M. Jeff said at the end of the segment. Weirdly seated on the fallen body of his foe. I didn't. I didn't think he was going to take a shit on him, but it was a really <laughs> weird position. But uh, Gene, what did you think of the segment anyway? Um, it was it was okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I don't really have many views on it. I think I enjoyed it. It's I just, just yeah. I feel like, um, but with 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 this whole thing of like you know him beating up Punk just before his so say match in Chicago, and you also know that like you know that's Punk's hometown. That it really gets you thinking. Well, you ain't winning then. You just beat him up, so you're on a high right now. So you know, for wrestling fans, that's like a very well known trait in the WWE that you know the person losing gets a massive hype or a massive win the week before. So from my point of view, I was like, well, this is just solidifying. You're about to get your first defeat. Well, yeah. the thing is, we would it's finally, the match was finally announced, MJF and CM Punk at this point for Chicago. So because he has no point, one else to go through. Well, this is, that's saying, it felt a bit Jericho-esque with MJF yeah. kind of going through people to get to this point. But I think Punk here, you know, talk about a brush with greatness and, and certain other things in his promo. You see it with Punk, and it, there's 
like I said, I don't want him to go heel and and be an arsehole again, all this kind of shit. But there's moments where he talks about, I always remember, you know, uh, talking, doing a promo to Rock about his, your hands are just too short to box with God. And it's these little things where you just, I love it about Punk and the yeah. crush of greatness in this one was brilliant. Uh, legit Layla Hirsch beat Red Velvet after the match. She attempted further damage, but Chris Statlander made a save. Malachi Black and Brody King issued an honest warning to Pack and Death Triangle. Black ended by saying the House of Black, like Death, is inevitable. Uh, Britt Baker with a boring in-ring segment. Nothing much said. I mean, what are they doing with Baker? I'll ask you, Jackson, what do you want done with Britt Baker next? Well, I mean... I, I love Britt Baker. I love, like, uh, the persona of her, the character of her. I think it's great. But they got to do something with her now. And I think that, like, it, it's either got to be that we finally get the Thunder Rosa-Britt Baker team, uh, like, match-off, where Thunder Rosa will come out of this victorious because we have all we all know that it's got to be Thunder Rosa that takes this belt off of Britt. Um, but we need to start, uh, like, planting the seeds for for that match to actually happen. And right now, she's kind of going through all of the roster. It's about time that either Jamie Hayter has had enough and is just going to go for it herself, and then that sort of tumbles on and leads to the Thunder Rosa thing, or we are scrapping the Thunder Rosa thing and then just going straight with Jamie Hayter as a, a, a very much like Wardlow, fed up of being her sort of a her wall, her her um, security, um, and actually go for it herself. Yeah, well, I think she got a lot, bit lost in the crowd with the, the chance going on at this point, and no one interrupting, yeah. which you never expect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, growing up. I mean, you... like especially lately, over the past few weeks, like AEW have become a bit notorious over the past few weeks for interruptions. <laughs> well, didn't no one interrupted? All right, maybe I missed it in that break. And then the main event, <laughs> the lights out match: Orange Cassie versus Adam Cole. First off. Cole found Danhausen under the ring. Uh, I love this. Danhausen's the guy I've been following <laughs> on Twitter for a while. He actually had done a podcast with Conan O'Brien, which he's out oh, of character wow. and explaining who he is to him basically for half hour, which really helped with the Danhausen <laughs> character because this is a dude just a normal independent wrestler and then thought to start doing dark magic and dressing up as this kind of crazy guy and become like success. And there is similarities with him. And Orange Cassidy, so it's great to kind of see them together as well. Uh, I thought it was really yeah. fun. Yeah, I, I, I don't know much about Dan Housen, I must admit. So my first sort of seeing of this character was uh, during this match. Um, but that being said, I was so intrigued by the way he looked. He kind of gave me a bit of a, a, of a Darby Allen type vibe with the face paint. But I also was very pleased to see that he wasn't coming into AEW in connection to Darby Allen, you know? So yeah. the fact that it was for Orange Cassidy made me really intrigued. I was like, is he going to join the best friends? Is he one of those people that's kind of like, he looks like the type of loner type that doesn't necessarily need a faction himself either. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do. Yeah. And one of the things I love about him is that he has housing to everything. So, well, you know, <laughs> that is <laughs> it's Always little good. things, little things sometimes. Uh, as for the match, Orange Cassidy wrapped a steel chain around his fist for an orange punch, but Cole bowed to the floor. The fight spilled backstage, but Cole drove his opponent through a table and a monitor with a Death Valley driver. Cole rocks his opponent with a super kick, then set up for the boom, but Cassidy caught him with a super kick, reapplied the chain, but ran directly into stage light. Cole then scaled a trash 
about to look up that word, but lost track of his opponent, who had followed him up and delivered a perfectly timed low blow. <laughs> Hodgkass then hugged I'm laughing whilst reading. He hugged him, looked him in the eyes, and then dropped <laughs> off the side of the stage, uh, threw it for the win, and <laughs> Cassidy won. And Cole's angered of impact on the replay as well. You know, that was a couple of steps away looking really fucked up. Like, uh, it's yeah. like he, you know, thrown out of a moving auto vehicle, JR, if you were. Uh, but this was a great <laughs> main event, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, do, do you want to do you want to answer this one? I feel like I've been talking. <laughs> Sorry, so Gina, what do you think? <laughs> well, I, I spoke about. I spoke about Orange Cassidy and Adam's um, chemistry um, a bit earlier when we, they had their other match with Brett. Um, but, but yeah, it was a great match, still entertaining. Again, they have such good chemistry together. Um, I kind of didn't see... I, I saw the match going both ways. I didn't know who was going to win, which is really nice. I love it when you have those matches where you're just like, actually, wait, no, Orange Cassidy might win. No, Adam Cole's going to win. Um, yeah. So it was nice to just be... In, not in the know of, of what's going to happen here and you couldn't predict what was going to happen. Um, I'm glad they didn't injure themselves because it did look really, really close. Um, <laughs> and I was worried, oh, great, now we're going to have Adam Cole missing for weeks on end and Orange Cassidy. But thankfully, they both pulled it off really well. And yeah, I, again, I, I do think that they'll move on now to other people. But if we get Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole feud again in the future, I'm all here for it. Yeah, about that. And even the lights out, because the thing is, Cole's on a roll, and I think he's off, not offense to Orange Cassidy, but I think he's off the bigger and better things in, in AEW. And to have the lights out gimmick where it doesn't go against your record, a bit like, you know, uh, of course, Britt Baker and Thunder. Then, you know, Orange <laughs> Cassidy gets the win that he needed, but it doesn't really affect Cole, as we've seen. And the one thing I, I loved more than anything, and I don't know why, the graphic on the beach of Cole and Cassidy facing off. Yeah. How fucking cool was that? That's what wrestling needs. It was amazing. No, I honestly really enjoyed like that whole like little thirty second clip of it, yeah. and then just graphic after. But it just worked so well. Like just seeing these two wrestlers in their wrestling gear on a beach. I don't know why it just really worked, and I just loved it. I just, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Really, really good stuff. And as a crowd, Cleveland were fantastic, especially after that ladder match to start. With all those mm-hmm. big bumps, you could have been quiet, but they cheered Wardo like it was Goldberg in 98, sang along <laughs> to Judas, and there's even an argument for Baker just being a bit boring, you know, but really, really good dynamite. <laughs> well, like I said, when AEW is good, it is really good. Um, and then Rampage, January 28th, uh, Moxley back in action, beating Anthony Bowens in a fun match. FTR beat Brock and Johnson. Uh, I wonder if Dax and Brock will have a ladder match uh, for custody of Arn. That's, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. I think that Arn would just end up blocking them. <laughs> He'd be like, you, you might have won the match because you're not taking it. Bring it out. <laughs> yeah, Arn would block every time. I think that's fair to say. Then Cargill killed Julia Hart, still wearing the eye patch, I know. Uh, <laughs> get the job done. Uh, Jurassic Express beat Private Party in an entertaining main event for the titles. And like we said, we were shocked that the tag titles were defended on Rampage. The arse boys attacked after. Uh, will they stand a chance against Jurassic Express? Uh, and what do we think of the match with Private Party? Go on, Jaxie. I mean... It- 
I'm going to always find Private Party entertaining. I think that they have a great entrance if they don't come out to the Hardy family music. Um, I I think that they've got great personalities. I can't help but laugh every time I hear Isaiah Cassidy scream. It is just like you just genuinely like believe that he is scared (laughs) when you hear him and those screams. So this was a great match for me. I think that uh, both uh, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy are a great tag team. Um, I do think that eventually they need to do something with private party to the point where they're like, they they start to realize that maybe Matt Hardy isn't in their best interest because they do go on uh, quite a bit of a, of a losing streak, you know? Well, this is the thing. And I think this is what Matt Hardy's kind of done is it's kind of, yeah, they've got him there, but it's just not winning, and it's it's just just that one step up. Oh, and and as we saw with um, you know, people like I can't even remember what their name was now been released already, but you know, like hill groups <laughs> that are kind of not working out, uh, and and stuff like this. So it's it be interesting to see kind of what happens there. There's a lot of talent, and uh, with news, we're going to look at news. Um, before we get into one of the silly, stupidest stories of the week, like Tony Khan was saying, with contracts coming up with two years and the way the, the talent is stacked, he is going to have to let a few wrestlers go. And we've said it about maybe three or four talents, even on this podcast, of they need to do something with them. But unfortunately, there's only, like I said, two hours of dynamite and an hour of a rampage, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it is going to be unfortunate that some of our favourites aren't always going to get a featured spot or might end up having, you know, if their contracts run out, they might not end up re-signing and things like that. It's just the way that the the world of business works, you know. Um, so we can't necessarily, like, look at uh, potential uh, firings or, or contracts uh, expiring as, as another sort of budget cut thing like the WWE are doing. Um, so we do have to accept that. But at the same time, there is just so much opportunity that is coming out of um, uh, coming out of the, uh, of AEW that you can't really fault um, the, the sort of screen time given to, to different uh, wrestlers, you know? Yeah, I think we had that Wingman who are thinking about. And of course, there, Peter Avalon oh, yeah. and that group will slowly be released as well. Uh, but one yeah. uh, former WWE superstar that was going to have a match on Dynamite was Brian Kendrick, last seen getting thrown down the stairs in NXT. Uh, he was due to fight, but then remarks uh, that he made several years ago resurfaced this week, oh, last week even, uh, about the Holocaust, uh, the 9-11 moon landing, and the death of Simon Bin Hook. He's apologised and said this happened, you know, a few years ago. But what I try and do is associate my people that probably would never say this stuff anyway. But hey, I might be different from other people, but I know everybody makes mistakes and people deserve second chances, but still, it is unfortunate. So instead of Brian Kendrick versus Moxley, it was Willie Utah, um, and we didn't really miss him, I think it would be fair to say. Mm, yeah, I agree. And um, I think in a way, this kind of ended up getting better because if you were a fan of AEW content, then you would know that uh, this match, Wheeler Utah and John Moxley, actually happened before. And John Moxley didn't even give him a, a single fragment of a second before he paradigm shifted him and then just just booked it out of there. Like, it was a one-and-done sort of thing. And I was really disappointed in that match because I genuinely thought that 
this would actually be a decent uh, match on for someone as new to the business as Wheeler Utah is, but who who has consistently been getting better each week. Um, and yet here we are getting a squash match. So it might have been unfortunate for some that Brian uh, Kendrick didn't turn up in AEW. That being said, um, I don't really have much more to add on what you said about his views and his thoughts. He, you know, I'm all up for a sort of forgiveness, especially if someone has been sort of paying their penance and their due diligence. However, my argument with Brian, uh, Brian Kendrick is we've not heard an ounce or a single apology come from him for his previous comments, even when they were on Twitter, um, you know, not just in that one interview clip, but he has also tweeted out some pretty horrible things and never once apologized for it. So unless you're going to be sorry for everything that and uh, and actually apologize before you're called out for it, you don't deserve to actually be on TV. So go find yourself some self-love and go and actually sort of pay your, your dues back to, to what's happened. Um, that being said, we got that rematch with Wheeler Utah and John Moxley, and I thought it was a great match. I thought Wheeler Utah was able to showcase himself well, but he also learned from his mistakes and was like, nah, I'm not having you start this off straight away. So he, he came in as the aggressor, um, and I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed kind of seeing what Wheeler Utah was going to bring to the match. Um, I think that John Moxley got himself distracted once or twice with like Dan Housen out there and Orange Cassidy, but uh, I think it just added, and I think that it was one of the best matches that Wheeler Utah has actually had in a, in his singles matches so far. So I'm I'm more intrigued to see him each week uh, coming in. But we also knew that there was no way he was beating Mox. <laughs> That's an excellent answer, though. Like I said, February second, Dynamite. Like I said, the curse from Downhausen. Allow you to catch up with a crossbody. Uh, Moxie did weather the storm. And again, the story of you turning in a little bit longer. And like I said, the next time they face, the story will be there more as well with the power gun shift yeah. for the win. Uh, but after the match, Ryan Danielson confronted Moxley. And after a standoff, asked fans if they want to see the two of them wrestle against each other. The American Dragon said that Moxley had little support. He would still be the AEW champion. He pitched the idea of working together, denouncing the current crop of champions. What if we change the future of professional wrestling together, Danielson proposed. He told Moxley to think about the mic. And one of the things I loved about this segment as well, Gene, I'll get your thoughts in a second, was Mox breaking that full four and actually looking at us through the camera and going, you know, what do I do? And, and again, I don't think we get that enough. Because obviously they know the camera's there, and he's the the like I said, the fans at home are an important part of the arena as well. Oh, for sure, and like again, it, we kind of will also feel that struggle because we all love you know Brian Danielson, and we're all like, yeah, go with him. Oh wait, no, he's a heel. No, don't go with him. So we're also feeling feeling that you know tug, like he should do it. No, he shouldn't. That sort of thing. We always want to be cheering for Mox just as much as we always want to be cheering for Brian. So I definitely, I'm enjoying where this is going to go. I hope they execute it well, but I'm really enjoying where it's going to go. I think Brian may be the most underrated on the mic because he was fantastic here. And I just don't really name the top 10 or 15 promos, uh, even around today. Brian's not even on that list. And you think he's excellent at manipulating the crowd. He can go from heel to face and the crowd is behind him 100%. Yeah, I have to agree with that as well. I think there's, yeah. uh, I, I just also want to kind of add on from what Gina said about 
like the level of excitement because straight away from me, I, I was thinking we're going to get Mox versus uh, Brian now. Um, I'm even more excited at the potential aspect of a potential uh, uh, faction going on with them. And I, I really would be very intrigued to see who they sort of take under their wing. Like, you know, uh, Brian Danielson was um, naming a few of the sort of younger wrestlers that he, he could um, potentially sort of wean to his faction. And it just got me all kinds of excited and all kinds of thinking of what sort of team-ups could potentially happen there. No, it's just a great way to start. You know, like I said, fun match and then into that and adds, again, another layer of intrigue to a story that we thought was just Brian versus Mox is now turned into something else. And even if you include Eddie Edwards when he comes back or, you know, it's stuff like this about what, you know, why you're teaming up with him or these certain things makes sense and even if moxie just destroys him whatever you'd be like oh yeah well, that's what mox does um we get an overly long verbal spat between brandy rose and Dan, culminating the return of Paige van zant who uh, hit the ring and downed uh brandy the women's locker room emptied i mean fans cheered dan and they chanted shut the fuck up that means it's not working so i you know i know brandy tried to work the crowd a little bit but it just didn't work, I think. Yeah, I I mean, I personally really like Brandy. I actually do personally like her just because I really love her YouTube show, A Show of Brandy. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie, like, it, it is very clear that the crowd are just not feeling her. Very, very clear. Um, I'm not sure they if they should more, try and continue. Yeah, I'm not sure whether they should continue, whether she should just take a step back a bit. I don't know. I, I really don't know what would be the right direction that she should go in here. It's a difficult situation they find themselves because they're trying to walk that line and Cody can get away with it. I think with Brandy, yeah. there's just too much there, and especially if, like I said, Dan Lambert, who's so hateful uh, to get cheered, there is a problem. And then up next, we have yeah. Death Triangle versus the Knights of the Black Throne. And I love, and we talk about how great uh, Malachi Black's entrance is, and the two of them coming out together is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I, not for one second, did I believe Pac was coming out blinded. I mean, what <laughs> the point? <laughs> Seriously, I was like, I, I, I literally sat there in silence when he was coming out and he was on Alex's shoulder and I was like, it, is this just all a ploy because Phoenix is coming back? Like, did someone, like, alter Phoenix's, Ray Phoenix's arm and he's just going to come running back like, psych, I'm, I'm here to help or something like that because I was like, there's no way Pac is going into this match blindfolded. Oh, he did. He, he, <laughs> he did. proved he me wrong. He really, really did. Yeah, he went there. And he fought blind and he was doing Him and right. Julia Hart need to come out together. <laughs> <laughs> she can have a rum bottle and he can have a walking stick. <laughs> That's brilliant. You went into the thing about it and you're thinking, what's going on here? Because there's a story about Mac, you know, being blinded, which I think they could have done more on and delivered more. But they mm. kind of put this in this tag match and the crowd had no interest in Pat because they were just chanting Ole Ole, you know, like I said, it was, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the story was, you know, about Pac and, and fighting back, and I just fear uh, that, you know, he's kind of maybe 
what can he do to catch? We talked about it before. How can he catch a break? You know, like we say, um, yeah. like the Bayface was doing really well. But again, black, blue, black mist, which is not easy to say in Penta's eyes. He's setting up Dunley's Inferno. Black scored the win. And I'll tell you another thing I fucking love. When they hit that finish and Black sits down as he's making the pin, it looks so yeah. cool. <laughs> it really looked wicked. Like, honestly, it looked like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they, those two right that now. That was awesome. Like, they look like super villains. Do you know what I mean? Like, actual super villains. And I fucking loved it. I think this whole match was brilliant. I think that Pac, even doing the small little bit that he did blindfolded, was really impressive. Yeah. Um, it, it just makes me so proud to watch him, you know, especially because he is a fellow UK um, uh, based citizen, but he also is just absolutely badass that like he could have even pulled off half of those stunts blinded. So, he, you know, he's forever just going to have won me over. Uh, but at the same time, I, uh, I was kind of blown away by that ending. That whole ending just worked so well for me. Like they, they've, you know, blinded pack previously with the black mist they've now done it to penta that the, the actual um and what what was their end move called uh is it dante's inferno did you say yes it? dante's inferno yeah it look it just looks devastating coming from them both and oh. as you said alistair black looks so fucking cool just sitting down after he threw him over to him you know just like sitting down just he does like, he's like that type of guy you want to hang out with you see him instantly and you're like i want to go and be friends with him He's just so cool. And it's it's like I said, it's like I've tried on games before in tag team match to try and get that tournament at the right time. And, and even yeah. with Black and Pack, there just seems a lot of similarities there between the two as well, the way they can strike, the way they can, you know, hit on the offense and stuff like that. And I would love to see, you know, them have the, the single match as well. But I think at this moment, the team Black, uh, or even Knights or Kings of the Black Throne, as you were, whatever you know, people mm. want to call them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I spent graphic said Knights of of the House of Black, but then like the commentator said Kings of the, so I don't know what they're called. <laughs> so they're called House the, of Black. That. Yes, the Knights, Kings of the House of Black. That's a nice and easy. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> but like I said, they will. But it all looks of things, they will be in line soon for a title shot on Rampage, of course. Uh, and, mate, I would probably say they might be successful because they are on fire at the moment, you know? Mm. Yeah, I agree. Just really, really good stuff. And then Nyla Rose versus Ruby Soho. And Rose dominated the action here. Soho fought out of an attempted beast bomb off the top rope. But found herself face down on the mat. Rose delivered a sent on onto lower back, then the beast bomb in the centre of the ring, earning Rose the victory. And like I said, very one sided. Will we surprised this one sided or is this gonna carry on the feud? Not really. I mean Nyla Rose is very, very good and we all, we already know that she can wrestle so well. It's nice mm-hmm. to see her fighting with Soho as well. It's definitely a, a different type of match we've seen. Um and I, I, I think they need to do some more with Nyla and not put her in the, the title scene, but keep her relevant, keep her going, because I think she's so good. And like, I, I would look, I would definitely love to see her fight more women that are coming into the AEW roster. So, because usually we just have her kind of fighting the same battles, especially on um, Dark and Elevation. It's kind of the same people that she's tagging with, the same people she's fighting with. So it's really nice. It felt like a breath of fresh air seeing her have this fight with Ruby. 
I also just have to have to say that I am I I, I was shocked. I instantly thought to myself, Ruby's going in this, and somehow she's going to win. Whether it's roll up pin, DQ, I don't know. But you know, neither got the got the full pin for, and I think she deserved it. I do think that she, um, even though she's had like a you know a, a title run before, I think you know since that title run, she hasn't done much of note. Um, and I feel like she could be used more. Um, so I was just really, really happy and pleased to see her in a match where she actually was the dominant one. Uh, and, and, you know, we kind of, all of us as fans kind of got hit back down to reality in, in thinking just because our favorite WWE superstars or wrestlers have actually moved over to a different content doesn't mean they're always going to be winning every single match, you know? So I, I, I liked the loss that Ruby Soho took. I also think that it was a great match between both these wrestlers i also don't think that that's going to damage ruby's career at all she's only just getting started in aew and i'm excited to see what both women are going to be doing uh, you know going forward yeah i think without a doubt like i said we're going to see them these two compete uh more often as well and then the aw champ yeah. adam page had a promo but what again and jake the snake appeared for archer rush to the ring no one could tend to drive page into the still stairs with a choke slam Delivered a blackout through the time, keep his position. Again, not bad, trying to build a little bit of um, mystique maybe to their match. But, you know, laying them out now, you <laughs> think your champ's going to be all right, I suppose. But this is, can I just go back to earlier on, what yeah. we were talking about when Dan Lambert just kind of came out randomly for Lance Archer. This is where, like, my question came into it. Like, Jake the Snake was out there. Bruv, we did not need you speaking. Like, <laughs> Why were you even out there? Jake the Snake actually delivered a better promo on the mic after Dan Lambert shut the fuck up. So it's like, why were you even out there, bruv? Like, you've got your own team. Go and focus on them. Jake the Snake is here. He could say his piece. And then Lance Archer had nothing of the talking anyway and just came out to smash things. So Dan Lambert is not needed in this situation. I just genuinely don't understand why he's like kind of fished himself into this sort of like group with Lance and. Jake, they, 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 neither of these two guys need Dan Lambert. No, and especially like you said, after they was they had a problem with each other, and that's not kind of been resolved. Even if it's like a payoff or something like this, it <laughs> would make more sense. But hey, will yeah. we get you know Christian? Like I said, AW is really good. So like when it's stuff like that, that's why we bring it into question because when people say it's perfect, this is certain things you can tweak, but by no means, I mean, Dynamite, I have to say this every prelude, AEW is still the best weekly show, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, just oh, through the yeah. of excitement, you know. Um, mm. so... It's just different each week, you know, and, and I think that's the one thing that right now WWE are stuck in a rut with, is that it, it's the same thing each week, maybe not with the same wrestlers, but it's the same watched storyline of a DQ count out or a bowl up pin um, for different matches. It's just getting tedious. Um, and this is what is probably making people um, defect to AEW. Now I don't ever want to like compare and contrast them because the, the thing is WWE is the company that got me into wrestling is the company that made me fall in love with wrestling. I'll still watch both, even though I only stick to SmackDown because three hours of raw is just absolutely uh, not doable but it it it's always going to be appreciated if you if you try something different and for some reason wwe are stuck in that rut 
Whereas right now, AEW, this is why they are consistently good because each week is something different, you know? Yeah. I think without that, and that hits the nail, I think, perfectly on the head. And then Chris Jericho called for the team meeting in regards to the recent dissension between him, Santana, and Ortiz. And then the main event, the match that we've all been waiting for, some punk versus MJF, the crowd were electric for the entrances, as they rightfully should. A punk beat MJF around the arena, but then ran arm first into the ring post. MJF drove his own knee into Punk's left wrist, effectively taking the arm out of his arsenal. MJF used his wrist, wrist tape to choke Punk on business referee Bryce Remsburg. Ultimately, Punk became unresponsive and the official called for the bell. Uh, I was fucking shocked at that point. I was going not done it like this, have they? And when MJF accidentally dropped the tape... For sure, I was shocked. (laughs) And then we see the tape dropped and Remsburg called for the match to continue. I mean, it was a shocking moment. You're thinking, MJF Mm -hmm. just done that here. Uh, Do you know what? For sure. I think think the shock for me mainly came from the fact that I was like, you're actually going to put Punk to sleep. You're going to put Punk to sleep. (laughs) Oh, God, the irony. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't even think of that. But yeah, that actually makes more sense. And he beat Allen with a side headlock, you know. And then Punk... Yeah. <laughs> and more importantly, when the match restarted, Punk hit a Poison Rana, which I don't think he's done since Ring of Honor. So that is... <laughs> I'd never seen him use that move before. Definitely not in WWE. Oh, without a doubt. And then we see Punk hitting the um, Pepsi plunge as well, a move that he was famously not allowed to do in WWE because it was too uh, much like the pedigree as well. But like we said, he was you could tell at this point he was pulling out all the stops. Um, we see going for the top rope elbow drop, uh, Iron and Punk a two count, but he couldn't capitalise because of obviously the injured, uh, not only the arm, but the established knee injury as well. And Jeff rolled to the arena floor avoiding punishment. Wardlow appeared for a distraction that had MJF to produce his dynamite diamond ring and lay out Punk and freeze in a scarf wearing villain scored the biggest win to date. And after the match, it was revealed that Wardlow had passed his charge to the ring. When first Wardlow came out, we weren't sure what side he was on and sneakily dropping a ring. Uh, I personally hate the ring being used like this. But before I do, Gina, what did you think of the match? It was great. It was shocking. And again, I, I didn't see it, it coming. Um, I was thoroughly entertained, though. It was great. And I was quite, I was kind of shocked. I kind of thought that we would have had this match on a on a pay-per-view event or or something like that. But again, it was just it was so good. And I, I want to see them more. I want to see them fight again, so, which I know we're going to get for sure. But it's still to get that again. Yeah, it, they're, it, he, they're just elevating each other. It's, mm-hmm. it's so good. So, yeah, that's good story storytelling for you right there. And Punk being I mean, in, uh, in MJF I... twice in his hometown. Because basically, with that match, the way it went, yeah. he beat him twice. <laughs> exactly. And, and it was pretty much like, you know, the first time he actually made him go to sleep and the second time, like, he literally KO'd him. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, Punk's most famous move of the go to sleep and he went to sleep twice. So twice. The irony like, in that. It was just so ironic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am totally looking forward to a round three at some point. Um, but I also I know this is gonna sound fast, but MJF is the best heel that out there right now. 
And I cannot wait to actually see how long he will just jump on this bandwagon of who who speak punk in in AEW? Oh, no one. Oh, wait, just me. You know, like he's. Well, we're, gonna we're never going to hear the end of it, are we? Exactly. <laughs> we're never exactly. going to hear the end. But I kind of don't mind that. I kind of think that I'm. If you look back on it on hindsight, I really am grateful that out of everyone to be the ones to defeat Punk, it wasn't a face, but it was more of a heel because this really solidified MJF's run and what he could bring to this this company. And he needed an, uh, a big win, such as over Punk, to actually elevate himself to that type of stature. Um, so I'm just excited and intrigued to see what MJF is going to come back with now, you know? I mean, his history is impressive. You know, he he made Chris Jericho go through all the trials and then fight him. He's now kind of done the same thing to Punk. It's just, again, another way, an, another brilliant way to elevate a young mem- uh, a young wrestler. And MJF is going to have such a great career ahead of him, thanks to all of these these big matches. But he's also he can also back it up. It's not like they are carrying him. He can also back it up himself, and it's just it's working really well at the moment. Yeah, these are the types of win that builds careers, you know, to actually beat someone. And for all of what you know, talk about WWE for a second, or Dolph Ziggler, even the Miz has done. You know, MJF beating CM Punk here is a massive statement, and even bigger in Chicago. You know, my only problem with it, and it was fantastic in parts. Uh, two things I know people are going to slate me for it. For me, oh, there just, we go. No, it was for me. It was just too long. Not every match needs to be 25, 30 minutes. And I know they restarted it, but I just feel when we were pacing, even at the you know pay per views and stuff like this. Not every match needs that. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, ten or fifteen, okay. five minutes too short. But sometimes it's it's the old Triple H thing of in my you know mm. in head half hour main event. That's what it should be. And sometimes. The crowd were ready to go home a lot earlier in that match. Um, you know, even though it all kind of worked out. And that fucking diamond ring pisses me off. Because the amount of oh, punishment, okay. the amount of punishment that wrestlers take in an AEW would be tables or chairs off the top rope and mm. they manage to kick out of it. And a ring shot gets the job done. And I know mm. it's wrestling, but it's not 1970s. Yeah. And it just, for me, is just, I understand he's a heel and all this lot, but just hit him with your finisher and get the job done. But again, I know... I mean, the ring isn't even that big, if you think about it. So it is a bit hard to know that that little ring (laughs) is like knocking people out. How much power is it? It's not an infinity stone or... You know, it's it's just a diamond ring. It's not... (laughs) It's not like it's the bunny when she uses the knuckle dusters, when she's using a full-on you know, four-fingered knuckle duster. He's got a pinky <laughs> ring on, and the pinky ring is knocking CM Punk out. It's been like, really? It's been CM Punk in Chicago. You go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah I do get you there. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I was expecting CM Punk to get up and just have a little glisten of diamond that came out of the ring in his beard, you know? It's just <laughs> insane. <laughs> No, like I said, I thought, I mean, we talked about this before, that I actually thought Punk was going to win, and I was pleasantly surprised MJF did. Uh, and, of course, like we talk about, it's, this continues the feud, because Punk, much like Jericho did, has to get a win over MJF, but MJF getting it first, like I said, he can die on that all year now, you know? 
Mm, I agree. So we move on to Rampage, February 11th, and Adam Cole destroying Evil Uno. Uh, every time I see I cannot believe he slipped through WWE fingers, or Vince actually couldn't see anything in him. Because Cole is yeah. such a star with what he does in the ring. Even the entrance itself with the boom and the Adam Cole baby is probably mm-hmm. off mission. Kind of got the boom, yeah. the visuals that he does, the, pa- the Panama Sunrise, you know, all these kind of moves, you, you know, that he does, how talented he is. And then with a promo as well and saying, you know, um, we've added what chance we should say the promo, but, you know, saying he's going to be serious and mm-hmm. he wants to take what he wants. Um, it's, it's really, really good stuff, Manico. And it just, it's unfathomable that a talent like that is not in, mm. I don't say not in WWE, but how did, he was dominant in NXT. How did they do that? What the uh, fuck? Honestly, it, it does make me question, like, Vince, did you ever watch any of NXT when the Undisputed Era were on top? Because when all four of them had the belts, the tag belts, the North American title, and the NXT championship, those four, those four were half the reason why I started watching NXT. Because they were so good, they were so dominant. And, Vince has done them fucked up by letting at least three of them go. If Roderick Strong ends up over there, which more than likely he will, knowing that Marina Schaffer is showing up on Dark and Elevation at the moment, it, I have no doubt that he will eventually turn up. I'm all for a, a reunion and to like get this whole faction with titles around their their um around themselves again because all four of these men have so much talent that was not utilised as much from WWE, but everyone else, every other fan, or even other wrestlers, actually could see their talent. I just I, I just think that uh, Adam Cole, especially, is probably the biggest asset that they lost that probably would have like kept their viewership up. Without a doubt. He was the, you know, you talk about Johnny Gagano's at like the heart of NXT, like Adam Cole was like the the, mm. the jewel in the crown and he was the guy that was going to go main roster and he's just everything that he did and you just think how did that how can that possibly go wrong I mean Matt Talents that has happened now he just but Adam Cole's a guy just think young. Been, <laughs> well this is the thing he's going to be if you know AW he could be there now for the next 15 20 years as main event player I'm which sure he will right I'm sure he will and also it looks like it might be facing Paige at the paper. I say looks. I mean, at the moment, there's a couple of things that you could argue for MGF, but I think Adam Cole, you know, ranked number one. He did say, didn't he, on the promo? He he said on a promo that he was, com- he was coming for gold. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's going to go ahead and challenge either Sammy or Hangman. Although I don't really see him going for the TNT title. I see him going straight for the AEW title. So we'll see what happens, but I mean, I'm excited to see kind of where things go with Adam. Well, the other thing I was thinking is, well, where are Fish and O'Reilly at the moment? I've not seen them. For, I don't know if it's been a couple of weeks. I was literally a... about to ask this. <laughs> I was going to say, wouldn't it be great if like he he gets to the the title, actually wins it, and then Fish and Riley get the tag belts, and then a, a lovely surprise. We get a little surprise challenger for the TNT, and it's Roderick Strong, Bob's your uncle. Right there. Yeah. Wasn't Kyle O'Reilly like filming something recently? I think that's why he wasn't on AEW. Um, I think that... he was like filming something, wasn't he? I'm not, like I said, the amount of talent that's it's like, where's Miro? Like, 
promos about him. Oh, yeah. Get, where is he? <laughs> There's a lot of wrestlers. I mean, like, I oh, no. Veer has basically accumulated all of these different wrestlers and they're all, like, in a bar drinking and no, just, like, you know, you know, like, is it, like, you know, the, what is that movie, that, that Percy Jackson movie when they go into the casino and they keep eating the, the lotus uh, biscuits that, that oh, get yeah. them to lose track of time? Veer has taken... Bobby Fish and Carl O'Reilly to one of those places and they all have forgotten about time and they're still in there eating those damn Lotus biscuits gambling. <laughs> what a place it would be like. You got like, no Brian Cage and people like that, but you're going to have like Bailey and Oscar, just people like sitting down, just going like, not doing anything at this moment in time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be quite a nice place. Like known as wrestler heaven right there. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about Rampage and, and Rampage was special. Because Starks and Sammy wrestling, I mean, that is more rare than unicorn poo, having these two guys in action. Uh, Guevara beating Cassidy in a TNT title match. How did Desire manage that? I know Matt sold it out on Dynamite, but I mean, I know it's an open challenge, but it's not a fucking... (laughs) You're giving the game away, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? There's a a little point on open that you might win. Did anybody think, like we talk about the losing streak, HFO, whatever they're called now, is going through. Is there any surprise? It is a bit of a shock, isn't it? Just seeing like how bad they are doing. And Matt still talks so confidently, like his team are one of the winning teams. Like, how do you have this much confidence? Have you seen your your losing stats? It's it's quite shocking. And I do feel sorry for, you know, even the Butcher and the Blades because when when AEW first started, those two were just so big as well. They were such a good tag team. And then they joined Matt. And I don't remember when they last won cleanly, at least, without having interference from Matt or Private Party or Andrade, you know. And mm. I, I'm not blaming Matt, but I'm just saying that that faction is definitely going to break down. They're going to have a similar situation to the Chris Jericho um, and Santana and Ortiz kind of situation where they're like, well, we haven't really been successful since being with you, so why are we with you? I can totally see something like that happening too. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> and then Darby Allen came out to show he's a face forever and he's got his eyes on the prize. Um, but well, why still have two belts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, honestly, why are they? Why is he still walking around with it? I thought like the sort of two belt thing would have like kind of uh, the unification. Yeah, match. Like, someone should <laughs> tell him unify. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean they both look the same as well. It's not like you know when Miro changed <laughs> yeah. the belt entirely to look like the Bulgarian colours. Like they both look exactly the same. So I don't see why they haven't unified those belts. And can I just also quickly squeeze in? I'm loving Andrade just calling Darby Allen this little kid. I just want this little kid. No, I don't know what it is about it, but it's great. It's, it is great. Hey, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's going be interesting to see how it pans out. And then we get Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rosa. And there is sometimes that I feel like I have missed a Dynamite or a Rampage. You go, no, they just haven't mentioned it until this episode. This is this feud 
was uh, still going on. Rosa countered a splash mountain, hit a unique slam that sent Martinez out the ring to recover. And as she went out there, she got hit with a pipe pulled by Martinez, of course, causing a DQ. Um, I want more of this, please. I mean, Rosa was on a roll a year ago. Don't halt the momentum. But one maybe good thing from this is that we found out Britt Baker was the one that actually employed Mercedes Martinez. So does that mean that's a feeling mm. they're going to go back in? That actually made me happy. Yeah, I, I, I got to admit, uh, I was totally um, shocked to hear it was her that, that brought in Mercedes. Um, I even loved it more so when Mercedes was kind of like, nah, okay, we're um, like, you know, she's pointing out at Mercedes Martinez and yet Mercedes like, you lucky I'm not coming for you yet. And just instantly seeing Jamie Hayter get in her face, I got super excited. I was like, give it to me. Give me Jamie Hayter versus Mercedes Martinez. I, I need to see it. I don't know why it's about Jamie Hayter. I think she's a fellow Brit. Mm. Um, that maybe I like her, but there's just something about Jamie Hayter I love so much. And when I saw her get in Mercedes Martinez's face, I was like, give me this. Please give me this. I, I would be excited. And it definitely made the Mercedes Martinez storyline make sense with that Brit segment mm. after. Because it was kind of random. Why are you going after Thunder Rosa? Like, we wanted Thunder Rosa back in the scene for the title. So it's just tied it all in together. And again, it's just, it's been brilliantly executed with that, adding that little segment in right after the match. Yeah. Well, and the Martinez don't mind. She's like, him, man, I'll take one, man. You know, like, so it doesn't matter. Like, she's, she's ready for the fight as well. Uh, and then the main event of Rampage, Ricky Starks versus Jay Lethal for the FTW Championship. Uh, and after a back and forth match, Lethal hit a cutter. And set up for the lethal injection, but Starks avoided it and countered another lethal injection into his own win. I mean, Gina, I know what you're going to say about Starks, so I might ask Jaxi first just about this bit. <laughs> How fucking cool did that lethal injection? You don't injection... want the thirstiness coming out. <laughs> I know it's going to come. Uh, lethal injection into the own finish for a win. Jaxi, unbiased. Um... How fucking cool was that? I mean, I got to admit, like, I even got a little bit excited at watching that. I was like, damn, that was so good. That was executed so well. Um, I was really impressed. I, again, I think that Ricky Starks is one of those wrestlers that gets better and better with each week that he's actually in the ring, not just always talking on the mic. Um, I do think that we need to have more of him in the ring. But, yeah, after seeing after seeing that perfectly executed, like, y- you can't help but just want more. It was so good. Well, I'm worried if that's the unbiased opinion. And Gina, what do you what do you think of this match? <laughs> I mean, it it was great. I mean, I I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't as excited. I'm always excited to see Ricky Starks, but I'm just not the biggest fan of Jay Lethal. But this match definitely changed my mind because they both worked so well together. And yeah, that lethal injection into the Rhone Shambone was just so perfect. I can't understand mm. how they got it. They executed it so perfectly. And as as Jaxie said, like they, Ricky Starks definitely should be being showcased more. I know he's had an injury, and so they've kind of just slowed and eased him back into like the wrestling scene. But he's got star quality all over. And this is not just because of my thirstiness for him, but he does have star <laughs> quality. He's great on the mic. He has a personality that just makes the crowd want to hate him, but also love him. He he says the funniest of jokes. Him and Hobbs together as well. They have good chemistry. They're always fun to watch. 
Um, and that match was for me. It it really did make me be like, oh, actually, maybe I should be a bit more excited to see Jay Lethal. So I wasn't the biggest fan, and he's possibly changed my mind from that match. But I love you, Ricky. That finish was <laughs> that finish was incredible, and it's always weird when someone is a fan. Like I know, obviously, with Ricky Starks, you kind of. I weren't that sure about him, but you always give him a chance, you know. Because, like I said, someone else likes him, so there must be a reason. Or, you know, I mean, it's a bit weird. Like, it's about, like, friends, boyfriends and girlfriends. You go, that it must be all right. Like, but when you look at Starks, it's, like I said, it's just consistency. He's, he's working well. Uh, we want to see more and more of him. And even Team Taz, and Taz really comfortable. Commentary is fine as well. Like I said, it's a really good kind of shtick at the moment that they've got. Um, but that is it. We're going to leave it right there. Yes, it's shocking. Everybody listening right now, we're going to leave it there because um, <laughs> we are going to talk about Dynamite and everything that happens and alongside Rampage leading up to our next AEW show, which will be AEW Revolution. Yes, the pay-per-view <laughs> is nearly there, so we are so close. But that is it for today. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter, at the WNR podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. Um, do you want to plug your stuff, Jackson? Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me across both Twitter and Instagram at Jaxie Scarlett. And Gina? Yeah, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram as well, um, Purple Pain. And we're dubbing also on Facebook and Instagram across all Google platforms. Send us an email at w- gmail.com and YouTube and our podcast with all let's clips and podcasts at the same time on YouTube and then do SoundCloud on your phone also Spotify and iTunes where you can down and subscribe rate and review there so that is it I mean on final thoughts just about AEW firstly Gina what are your thoughts on AEW this month and what are your hopes for what's coming up uh, I mean I've really enjoyed AEW it's not um, it's, it's not bored me in any way it's just kept me on my toes and like we said earlier in the show Every week that we get Dynamite or Rampage, there's always something that I don't expect to happen on the show. So it's it's nice because you're not automatically assuming it's going to be a, a show of full of rematches, you know. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what we got coming ahead. I am looking forward to more um, Adam Page, uh, Hangman Adam Page, and just the title runs. And I'm really excited to see Mox fight some more as well. So bring it, bring more of it. Yeah, I can't wait. What about you? What are your thoughts for AEW this month? Um, it's been doing really well. It's got it's left me excited. Of course, we've got the most recent Dynamite, which I have not watched, which I'm going to catch up on just shortly. Um, and it's just like you know, it's an exciting time to be a wrestler. So I'm I'm just really looking forward to seeing a potential faction come out of uh, Brian Danielson. I'm excited to see who is eventually going to dethrone, uh, you know, Britt Baker. Um, and I'm excited to see a potential Jamie Hayter feud with Mercedes Martinez. The only thing I really would like back right now is Miro. So if you could give us Miro back anytime soon, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's an excellent point uh, to end on. Uh, but let's not forget the next episode uh, will be Monty with NXT Update. Exactly. He loves me for doing that to him. Um, <laughs> Jaxi is back in two weeks for the Elimination Chamber review. I bet you can't wait for that. We get we get the old Jaxi back. The old Jaxi. That's who's going to come back. <laughs> I love that. Yes, the old Jaxi will be back for Elimination Chamber. Check her out there. 
Without that. And Gina will be asking you for your Elimination Chamber predictions, of course. And then you'll of be back course. in three weeks for AEW Revolution. And I don't think there's anything else that gets me more excited. I think I am going to watch Dynamite. There's nothing much more excited for AEW than doing a podcast when we're talking about it. And I'm going, yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> about the product. Definitely. I'm very excited to kind of go and watch what happened last night now. So watch this space closely because you are probably going to want to hear all of our thoughts and views on this mysterious person turning up tonight on AEW. So watch this space. Right, that We'll bring that all on the live show, like we said, AEW Revolution. But until I have been James Rowlands and I was joined by the fantastic Jackie Scarlett. Yep. Woohoo. See you soon, guys. And of course, genius Gina. Oh, thank you for having me again. And Ricky Starks, we all love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And Ricky Starks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>